from the creators who brought you RuPaul's Drag Race and Million Dollar Listing. This is World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. Hello everyone and welcome to this week's edition of the Wow Report, where we count down the top 10 topics of this past week that made us go wow. Wow. I'm co-founder of World of Wonder, Fenton Bailey, joined, thrilled, honored, excited to be joined by editor of the Wow Report, James St. James. Darling. And back after what feels like forever, I mean, you were back last week, but I'm still getting used to you being here, uh, our chief creative officer, Tom Campbell. And can I just say, James, what is that fascinating, delightful pendant around your neck? Why, it's a Duchess of Windsor cameo, of course. <laughs> what else would it be? Pourquoi? Pourquoi? Well, I, you know, I've been on a bit of a, a tear lately about the Duchess of Windsor. I don't remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about a book I was reading that tried to put her into a new light. And so she's a new heroine of mine again, all over again. And I got this from the Netherlands. Um, I was on a binge at three o'clock in the morning. What a- color plastic is it? Oh, wait, no, it's, it's, it's uh, <laughs> 24 karat golden green crystal, darling. <laughs> but I also was going to get, there's a Duchess of Windsor doll from 1938 that, that was going to sell me for, um, it was like 800 and he was going to sell it to me for 600 and I couldn't do it. And then someone snatched it up from under me and I, I'm just furious. I think you should count your lucky stars. You're not lumbered with a giant Duchess of Windsor doll. Like, <laughs> you you do don't not... know me well at all, do you? <laughs> uh, let's get into the countdown. What have we got at number 10, Tom? Number 10. You guys, I did something very non-Tom, I think. I watched, I streamed on Amazon the new musical Cinderella. And I didn't hate it. It's gotten horrible reviews. I want to talk about it. But more than anything, I was thinking like, out of all the things I've missed, out of all the shows that I owe watching, I took time to watch Cinderella, part, partially because it's one, one, one time. And then the next day in my pile of recycling laid the answer. And I'm going to show it to you and tell you on radio. My Amazon package came wrapped in a Cinderella Camila Cabello uh, a so poster. Genius. I love the idea of turning the box into a promotion. Uh, All I want is for us to sell a show that ends up on a box on Amazon that gets that my, my coffee grinds come in. You know what I'm saying? You know that unless it's on Amazon, good luck getting that thing on that box, right? That's yeah. True. Oh, anyway, still- so I was, I am such, and I've always said this, I've, you know, if there's a Snickers ad on TV at night, on the next day, I'm in the grocery store humming the song and buying the Snickers. I watched Cinderella. I Listen, it's an hour and 52 minutes long, which is too long to tell any story. Even the story of the Bible to me can be told in a shorter amount of time. Um, uh, that being said, you know, it's, it's I forget her name already, but it's, it's uh, directed, written, conceived by the woman who did um, uh, Pitch Perfect. She did Girl Boss on Netflix. She's very popular. I'm sorry, I can't remember her name right now. Um, but she's not on the Amazon box. Well, how am I supposed to know? But but it, it, Camila Cabello is Cinderella. It's an updated. It's very pitch perfect. It's very musical mashup. It's very anachronistic. How Idina Menzel plays the evil stepmother who's, who has a, a reason she's evil because that's how things work these days. And it's more of like Cinderella is less of a lonely girl looking for love as she is like a girl boss. She designs gowns. And she needs someone to finance her. Uh-oh, James. And Pierce Brosnan plays the king. Billy Porter is the, is the, is the fairy godmother. And I have to say, once she goes to the ball, which is kind of halfway through, and once you kind of know they're going to hook up, I did just needle drop on the rest of the thing until the very end, which ends in a big kind of anthem of liberation called to uh, J-Lo's Let's Get Loud. Oh, James, silence. you're busting, James. We're- well, okay. I I have seen Adina Menzel sing Material Girl in this, and I've got to say that it might possibly, it's not only the worst thing to ever happen to Madonna, it might be one of the worst things to ever happen in the history of mankind. You have the Black Plague, the sack of Rome, the murder of Julius Caesar, and then you have Adina Menzel sing Material Girl. And I, I've just, I... 
I don't know. I can't do it. I can't go. I don't understand because the Rogers and Hammerstein version is so. Oh, grow up! You're 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 ninety years old. Young people want something new. No, 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 no. But but the Brandy Whitney Houston version of it stands. No, so she's evil. Okay, so but the, the, she's evil with a reason. What are the other differences? What, how else do they update the story or vary from? Why the, do they update the story? Why does it need? Why not? To I mean, it, it's it is politically correct within an inch of its life. It you know it's 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 cast colorblind. You know everyone's everything, which is fantastic. Why not? Why shouldn't young kids of all different but colors and nationalities? What the Disney version did with Brandy and, and Whitney Houston. Yes, yes, but they're doing it again. It's good for that to happen. And, you know, most fairy tales and princesses and things do have kind of a bad, it's, it's kind of a bad storyline for little girls. So making her a little more empowered. Camila Cabela is another one of those artists that's sort of everywhere and kind of almost interesting. As an old man, I say, you know, at like, you know, her video that she has that looks like a telenovela, but just came out and like Valentina's in it. It's got a billion views. And um, um, Billy Porter plays the fairy or something. What does he do? That's, Billy what... Porter is the fairy godmother. He's the fairy godmother. So there's, that's I've different. I've never heard the story of Cinderella before. <laughs> but no, but they, they take it all. They just, everybody has a backstory. And that's kind of the second half is really slow in explaining you know the the you know the it ends up there's a princess who the sister of the handsome prince ends up taking over because she has good ideas and he wasn't meant to be king she's going to be uh, queen she's going to take over the kingdom instead so there's a lot of revisionism which i'm fine with all that i just again i might have been hypnotized by my amazon box but i thought it was harmless it was fun and i think uh i appreciate the song with Tiro girl like never before, James. It's really, it's almost like Mozart or something now that I've heard it reinterpreted. James, also, you're arguing from both sides because you also like that, that reimagining of the Wizard of Oz. What do they call it? The witch, the wicked Galinda. What was that wicked? thing? Yeah, wicked's genius. And so it's the Wiz. I mean, I'm so, not against reimagining things. Okay. I'm just imagine. I'm, I'm against, I'm against jukebox musicals, basically, is what I hate. I hate the idea of, and you have this wonderful score by the Rodgers and Hammerstein. It's just one of the most brilliant things to ever hit Broadway, ever, ever, ever. I don't understand. I, I think the kid looks really cute. The prince looks adorable. adorable. I, I, I might, he might be my way into it. Okay. Um, I think that Camilla Camello is a little bland, and I just don't understand the the reason why when you have why they think they're reinventing the wheel when when Disney reinvented that wheel, you know, twenty years ago. All right, we're gonna move on. Cinderella is streaming on Prime, number nine. Number nine. James, I am so excited to hear what you have to say about this next item. You know, I spent all day today re-watching Liquid Sky, which I have not seen since 1983. <laughs> Liquid Sky, of course, is the seminal new wave uh, masterpiece that is... Are, are, are you agreeing or... You, Yes, no. I don't want to. I don't know what it is, so help me. Okay, it's um, Annie Carlisle is plays two characters. She plays a man and a, 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 a she plays a man and a, and a woman, and it's the story. It's set in the nineteen eighties club scene, the after hours club scene of Danceteria Berlin. It is shot like um, the acting is very Warhol movie. It's very flat. It's very campy, unaffected. It Bad. tells the story of a super of a model. Who is um and he's a junkie. She's a she's a model. Both of them, but and aliens land on the rooftop of her building. And every time she has sex with someone, the aliens, whenever they orgasm, the aliens kill that person and suck out the ecstasy from them. And and so the, the aliens get off on on sex and heroin abuse. And whenever anyone does heroin, they kill them and they take the they when they're peaking whatever. Oh, but that's sort of the the story in a nutshell. But the outfit are so brilliant and spot on 1981 new wave. Everyone has squiggles written drawn on their faces and triangles and their hair is 10 colors going different directions, blah, blah, blah. The outfits are, the music is this synth clavichord that it's a synth clav, synth something or other. And it is the craziest it, 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 it's a time it seemed very futuristic. Now it seems so retro. The whole movie itself holds up so gorgeously. And the, the interesting thing, the reason why I'm doing it is because tomorrow I'm interviewing Annie Carlisle 
for another podcast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> for, for somebody Wait, else. You are interviewing her for another podcast? Yeah. You're like doing another podcast? Well, I was invited to be a guest on this other podcast and I'm going on to promote our podcast. Oh, okay. That's the reason why. But Good at recovery. the same time, I'm going on with the idea that Annie and I are going to become best friends and I'm going to invite her to come on and do well, our podcast. Well, I hope podcast. she's not listening to this because when you said the, the acting was sort of Warhol, like, it was just kind of bad, right? The actor. Well, but I think it's purposely bad. I think um, it's unaffected in a way that is supposed to be off-putting and not lifelike, and sort of more like a panto or something like that. Okay. Where it's a, that's it's, that's also what they were going for with Cinderella on Amazon. <laughs> um, I, but, yeah. uh, I just you know it was like I said it was filmed at the first dance material, which we've talked about. On, on our show. And it was filmed at Berlin, which was an after hours club in the early 80s as well. And so it's a real slice of New York downtown in a, in a way that never has been captured on film. And the thing that I'm most interested about, and I know we, could, we have to move on very quickly so you can cut this out. But um, the thing that I'm most interested in is if the looks were in, were created for the film and then history picked up on that or whether the um which came first like the looks from the movie or was the movie copying what was really happening downtown i think the movie was 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 riffing off what was really happening downtown but just giving it a sci-fi extra bit extra well flair. yeah i mean that's just because i i don't know if some of the things that people were doing like the squiggles and stuff were actually happening yet yeah in steve strange and visage was doing little squiggles on his face what year was that though Oh, that was like 1980, 81, Fade to Grey. Well, because this is 80, 81 too. So I oh. don't know how much of it is, is were they riffing on Steve or was Steve riffing on them? I, I think it was a sort of future, it was new romanticism in a futuristic package. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is just it. It's fascinating to look at, though, and it's interesting because I thought you would have gone. I thought you would go berserk over the it. I can't wait. I've never seen it since nineteen eighty right. or whenever. So I'm. I'm actually. I am going to go rewatch it because. I just well, I'll tell it. you something because I'm watching it on Vimeo, and Vimeo does not make it easy to find. I'll tell you what. It was also on. What did we decide? Shutter. I think it's on Shutter, right? It is on Shutter, yeah. Mm. So maybe and watch it there. But it is. I, I suggest everybody watch it because it's it's something. To yeah, see. it's seminal. I, I'd like to also talk about that and uh, Cafe Flash. Do you remember Cafe Flash? I have never seen Cafe Flash. It's a again slightly futuristic independent movie. Wait, I is believe... that is Mary Warnoff in that one? I don't know, but it's set in a slightly futuristic world where people. It's sort of almost uh, anticipating the AIDS pandemic and the only certain people could have sex anymore. And so everyone who's sex deprived and sex stuff, they go to clubs to watch people having sex. So oh. I'll, I'll look it up and maybe we'll talk about it next week. Okay, yeah, definitely. I'll Meanwhile, watch it too. Liquid Sky is on shutter. Okay, going to go on to number eight. Number eight. Uh, over the Labor Day weekend, went to a wedding uh, in Connecticut of a uh, really good friend, Tony Inadris. Uh, Nolan's oh, called Congratulations, Tony yes. Inadris. That's been 20 years together. Tony wow. Yes, they finally tied the knot and got married. Tony Idris, um did all the photographs in the World According to Wonder coffee table book, which is on sale in our retail store. Um, anyway, it was a great wedding. And because, of the, because it was a Labor Day weekend, we wanted to get the very first flight back. Because, you know, airports are a shit show and COVID super spreader opportunities. So what we did is we drove back that night and stayed at JFK in the TWA Terminal Hotel. The recently revised or revamped, right? It didn't look redecorated. Yes. That's right. Eero Saarinen, who's famous for designing mid-century modern furniture and buildings. He actually did the uh, St. Louis Arch, that arch in St. Louis. Hmm. He designed the TWA Terminal. Howard Hughes commissioned him to do it. It was finished in 1962. It opened, at which point it was actually out of date. Because, tragic, you know, Boeing had introduced much larger planes, the 707, like four years before it was built and opened. And then, of course, in 1970, the 747 came along. So it was always, like, too small. And for actually, oh, I don't know, I guess the last 10, 15 years, it's been sitting empty. TWA Airlines, who owned it, went bankrupt. It is a most spectacular building. It's sort of very futuristic and curves and... 
it's just it's like you feel you stepped into a mm, 2001 space odyssey movie you know all the furniture is sleek and built into the walls and the walls are all curved and they're like decorated with these beautiful penny ceramic it's absolutely gorgeous anyway long story short this is interesting to you, James. Andrew Ballas, on the, who um, who's the the the, the standard? Uh, the Chateau Marmont. Oh, Andre Ballas. Thank you, Andre Ballas had the right to turn it into a hotel, but for some reason it went fell, the deal fell through. So finally, another development company came in and it re it opened as a hotel, and it is gorgeous. And they built two wings on either side, which are the rooms in the hotel. But this lobby and this hotel and all the branding is just delicious. It's his, here's my room key. It this sounds is. very you, Fenton. It sounds oh, like you yeah. were just or- orgasming for the aliens. I was. And there's a, there's a rooftop pool that has views of the airport runway. So you can swim <laughs> in the pool, looking at planes taking, on a, taking off. I'm glad to talk to someone who's actually been there. I've seen pictures online and it looked like the ice cream museum to me. It looked like like just an Instagrammable moment. I didn't know if it was real. That is right. It is actually a perfect installation, Instagram installation. Now, um, um, but it, LaGuardia, it's at LaGuardia, right? Is what you no, said. No, it's JFK. It's JFK. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this oh. is the beauty of it. It's right. The, a few years ago, they built a whole brand new terminal, Terminal 5, right in front of the the old TWA terminal, which is JetBlue's terminal. So if you're flying JetBlue, you literally wake up in the morning, walk through a tunnel, and you're at the uh, you're, you're there. That it sounds was, fabulous. It really was fabulous. In fact, I, I sort of want to go back and just stay in the hotel. Right? You don't very, even need to go to the city anymore. <laughs> very past its prime. I actually have flown TWA out of that terminal many, many moons ago, way past the prime. That is a that's a legendary thing to have done. Thank yeah, you. TWA back in the day was was sort of the shit, wasn't it? Like in the sixties and seventies, it, it was like like Pan Am. Yeah, know? And, and, yeah. And both of those airlines kind of were sort of bankrupted by fatal air crashes. You know, the TWA Flight Eight Hundred, I believe, flying off to Paris with. Anyway, anyway, uh, let's take a break. Blake, do you have a question? I do. I do. What is the most popular day for Americans for birthdays? More Americans are born on this day than any other day. <clears throat> All right. Very good question. We'll have the answer right after the break. You're listening to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to The Wow Report on Radio Andy. Hey, I just got to tell you, Drupal's Drag Race UK... Um, it's coming soon, September 23rd, 11 a.m. Pacific, Pacific Standard Time on Wow Presents Plus, worldwide, excluding the UK and Canada, and then in the UK, BBC Three. So, um, what was the question, Blake? What is the day, what's the most popular birthday in America? More people are born on this day in America than any other day. What is it? I'm going to say nine months after Thanksgiving. Tom? I'm going to, I'm an Aries and all I care about is me. So I'm going to say April 12th because that's my birthday. <laughs> I'm going to go with April 12th because that's everybody having a Independence Day stripping session. Oh, see, I think that I like after everyone's home for Thanksgiving, they all fuck after eating. <laughs> well, of course, James is most right. Um <laughs> More Americans, September is like National Birthday Month, with the top nine days being in September. Uh, September 9th, yesterday, is the most. And the least is on Christmas Day. Because more people stop during, you know, in the colder months, so... Yeah, nine months maybe after like that. in the bleak days of February, everyone's getting together to stay warm. Yeah, or something. That's how I'm, I'm, I'm here because I was in July, which is, oh, as you know, you're right. So that's, that was, I can't. That's October, right? Yeah. Well, that's just beginning to get cold. Maybe it's different in the UK, but my birthday is September 27th. And I have tons of friends who are right around me. Um, here we are. We're counting down the top 10 things this week that made us go well. We've reached number seven, Tom. Number seven. 
It's no secret to those of you who listen to The Wow Report that I am a bit obsessed with watching Turner Classic Movies. And when you think of Turner Classic Movies, you think of Betty Davis. You think of, you know, the faces. Um, I taped in the middle of the night. They also have uh, TCM Underground. And they had a double feature of Sandra Bernhardt's Without You, I'm Nothing. I did it too. The film from 1990. And then a movie... I may have seen once this. Or I, I may have seen it once, and it's Wigstock, the movie from 1995, which I can only imagine you guys were there. I it's um, I mentioned this to Fenton briefly, and he's like, you know, he asks, "Is it a good movie or not a good movie?" And I, it was perfect for what I needed. It was like the Wikipedia of drag 1995. Like it, 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 it's, it was such a joyous occasion. And they do capture that. Once again, I love these live events. I love seeing the crowd more than the performers almost. Just seeing who shows up and what we look like and what we wear and what our hair was like. And what well, you, was know who's, you know who's one of the stars? The uh, Don't jump ahead. Okay. Because, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm because sorry. It, the one person <laughs> who is, you know, Lady Bunny's in it, uh, you know, Lady Miss Keir. Uh, RuPaul has a huge part. Jackie Beat, uh, Alexis. Alexis uh, 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 Arquette and Arquette, Alexis Delago. Joey Arias. I mean, so many queens that I've heard their names and you guys have mentioned them and I just don't have sort of a face to go with it or a live ex- or, or don't know them in their prime and they're all there. But the person who steals the movie, who is the most beautiful person I've ever seen in my life, who is, is Theron Smothers. <laughs> yes. He's just billed as Theron. I don't know how old Theron is there. He must be like in his... Early twenties. He's yeah. in his cleavage. I'll tell you what. <laughs> and he is surrounded by drag queens and beautiful trans women. And you realize in that moment, Theron Smothers, who you don't know, is the head of uh, talent at, at at World of Wonder. He also is a key component to RuPaul's Drag Race and dealing with the you know are the queens and RuPaul and he just and he lives and breathes everything, but also drag. And then you realize with such authority and authenticity. That's what I took away from that documentary. Darren is a God among men. That is the takeaway from the documentary. What do you got? Were you guys there at the Wigstock? Yes. In 1918, 19, 19, when the one that aired, the one that began the movie and, and tell me your memories as, as much as you can in the short time we're given. Well, wait, you said that was 95. So that wasn't the year that Lee Bowery gave birth on stage. to Yes. Was yes. it? it was. Okay. He'd already done it. He did do it, James, before. I, I think he either did it in Union Square Park or in the band shell at Tompkins Square Park. It wasn't the first time he'd done it. I because I remember I'm absolutely sure of that, yeah. Okay, because I remember talking being with him backstage and seeing this outfit and having no idea that Nicola was underneath for five hours before and he Nicola was his wife. Yes. He was this performance artist, and he comes on and he's this like it's it's hard to describe, but it's like kabuki. It's huge. It's this, he's this massive like statue of a person. Wow, yes. And he starts to perform, and then he he gets in his back. His legs go up, and out of a man-made vagina, out comes his naked, painted wife, wife Nicola, who's covered in blood, and she she bites Sausage off. Legs. Yeah, she bites the uh, the cord. Um, and apparently, he she he she was strapped upside down, which was the crazy thing. So that's what somebody said that when they went there, like they had to wait backstage for like an hour before he go, you know how these festival things run behind hours that she was upside down strapped to the body. Anyway, well, that's like birth for all of us, I guess. Yeah. 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 I think it's, I I can't begin to get into it. It is. I think it's eye opening. If you love drag race, if you're curious about drag, it's an amazing uh, document of that time. And I think if it's, it's not Turner classic movies, it might be on, on demand, but I think HBO max has a lot of the Turner Classic movie. Uh, yes, type. and we'll, we'll post that scene uh, or a link to it on the WOW Report. And we'll yeah. also put on WOW Presents Plus Wigstock, which was a 15-minute piece we made for BBC in 1991. And that has RuPaul and and but but Camille Paglia and all these sort of... Oh, and, and Jose and Lewis and... And all these academics, uh, John Waters and Fran Leibowitz. I mean, it's an extraordinary glittering lineup of 
you have single-handedly propped up Camille Paglia her whole entire career, oh, right, I will right. never forgive you for it. But all Tom, right. I do want to just say that also the "Without You, I'm Nothing" the um, Confessions of a Pretty Lady uh, is absolutely spectacular. Sandra Bernhardt is is a force of nature, and I would love to to chew on that with you someday because all that's right. it's really fun. Next time, next time. All right, let's go on. Number six, James. Number six. I have become addicted to Citizen's app on, uh, it's an app on my phone and my sister has it. Okay. And I always think, and she's on it all day long and she follows whatever crime is happening on her block in her neighborhood. And I always thought that she was absolutely crazy to do so. And that I thought that if I ever did it, it, I would have ADHD and would never get off of it. And that's right. She's right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's dangerous. And recently, something happened in my neighborhood that was very strange. There was um, a burglary that happened, and uh, the burglar, a burglar, I say in quotations because we don't really know what happened. And the burglar barricaded himself in the house and had a standoff with the police. And this was like a block away from me. And suddenly, there were three helicopters very low over my over my apartment and they stayed there for five hours and if you've ever had helicopters over your house for five hours it was like and i say this in all seriousness it was like being in kabul it was like being like in the middle of a war zone very upsetting it's very upsetting and you can't get anything done and everybody in on our block was out in the street telling exchanging information about what they knew what they knew what they knew and nobody really knew anything and it wasn't on the news and when it was on the news later that night they gave it 20 seconds a burglar uh, barricaded himself in and, and the standoff went on for five and a half hours so i don't buy anything i don't believe anything but we all got on citizens app all the neighbors to try and follow it at the same time well now by god I still don't know what happened then because it wasn't on Citizens App either, which makes me think that it was some government op. I thought it was on. I thought I, I looked it up when you texted me and I saw two cars, like a car overturned right near your corner. Yeah, yeah. Well, but the helicopters, though, weren't police helicopters or news helicopters and they weren't black op. They were simply generic looking helicopters, which is very, very weird. Right? Because that makes it seem like it's FBI or CIA or something. James, are you implying that the burglar was Melania Trump? <laughs> I'm, I'm implying that, that something was going on other than a simple burglary. Aliens have landed on your roof. It's liquid sky. Just... I'm thinking that it was like a shake, a Saudi prince or something was being held kidnapped. Something was being tamped down by the government is what was happening. But anyway, my point is that now citizens have, I know every time there's been a pickpocketing within a hundred feet of me, I know I am aware of every knifing that's going on around the block. And it makes you not want to leave the house frankly like suddenly you realize that the world is much dangerous than you knew no no it's a culture of fear that's what it is it you think the world is much more dangerous thanks no, to citizens app scaring the bejesus out of you but i was happy to be oblivious and to tootle along my way and never know that right behind me there was two rapists and a gunman you know but now i know and i never I, it's just terrifying uh. But I get off that citizen app. I'm on it too, because cars are always crashing at the corner of Third and High. They are, oh, yeah. And it's always I can always look on citizen app and see the video. In that sound that the citizen app makes, and it does it all night long. Turn off the notifications. Gosh, James. Well, I can't because then I won't know. <laughs> right. You used to be addicted to pol- listening to police radios, right? Yes. Yeah. And yeah. Now, now this is the this is the app version. Okay. Uh, okay. Mean world syndrome. That's what you're suffering from, James. Number five. Number five. Uh, I know we've talked about impeachment. I think you gave it a preview, James, and I believe it previewed. It actually launched. I'm sorry, the other night. I just want to talk about one thing. I was reading a review of it. I haven't seen it myself, but I was reading a review of it, and it said, um, "Oh, well, there's no sex in it. Uh, they've left all the sex out, so there's no cigar." Um, there's no sex. And apparently there was going to be no thong snapping because one of the moments in the sort of seduction or, or in the relationship or the blossoming of romance was that Monica snapped her thong or revealed her thong, I should say, not snapped it. Anyway, the writers, because Monica's a, a producer, executive producer, 
the writers in this article I read said they left it out because they thought it would annoy her and upset her. And when Monica learned that they'd left it out, she insisted they put it in because she felt it was important. And just yeah. because she's an executive producer of it, blah, blah, blah. But it was you interesting to me. Text the story of Monica. And well, that's 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 the whole thrust, James, of, yeah. of this piece, because I actually think you can't take sex out of it. And in, in a way, it's almost wrong to say take sex out of it. Yeah. Not to say it was a purely sexual encounter, but that it's the way sex and love go together is one of life's great mysteries. And they do go together like peanut butter and jelly. And, and it sort of was, makes what, it seem, it makes it seem shameful on Monica's exactly. part. Like Monica's ashamed of it. And I don't think she is. Which is why I wanted to mention two other versions of this story. One was a 1998 film called the oral office. Now you won't find any reviews of it online. It's an adult film, and one of my favorite genres in porn are those where they like, you know, shaving Ryan's privates, where they take sort of classic things and give them dirty titles. And the oral office had uh, Monica Lewinsky, Monica Lewinsky, uh, <laughs> Hillary Clinton, um, and they were sort of getting into it every which way. And then they had Linda Tripp um, going down on Janet Reno who is revealed to be a cock in a frock. So it's all kinds, every kind of wrong. But the reason I mention this is because I watched this film because I gave a lecture at the University of Santa Barbara with, in, uh, around this time. And Constance Penley, the professor there, brought it up. And it was the same time as Shakespeare in Love. And I remember seeing Shakespeare in Love and thinking, God, what a phony piece of rubbish Shakespeare in Love is. It, you know, Hollywood's always promising you sex, and, but it never gives you anything. And then here was this cheap, rude, lewd porn video that was actually sort of parodying Washington, parodying Hollywood movies, parodying the whole fuss that everyone got themselves worked up into about this thing. Because, you know, I think part of the awful thing that Monica went through is that everybody just got into a complete lava about this story rather than just like, okay, it happened. Let's move on, you know? And, um, a little tiny detail I will share is that, um, you know, Brett Kavanaugh, the Supreme Court judge, he worked on the Star Report. And I think the Star Report, which Kenneth Starr put together as the investigation of the independent counsel, is the most disgusting, repulsive piece of shit ever. And it details in explicit detail everything that happened. But did you know that Brett Kavanaugh wanted Kenneth Starr to ask a question of Bill Clinton, you know that famous interview where he was deposed on. And the question he wanted asked was, if Monica Lewinsky says you ejaculated in her mouth twice, would she be lying? And I thought this is, that really reveals the nature of Brett Kavanaugh and who this person is. And the well, Republican I'm, Party who are so, it, they need to know everything that goes on in your bedroom and then they're going to be horrified by it. Abso absolutely. Or and of course, let's, to be not, horrified. let's not forget that they get up to the exact same shenanigans. Exactly. I mean, they're, they're the yeah. ones always prosecuting, you know, and voting against gay rights and then they're caught in a motel room smoking crack with a hustler. All I'm trying to say by this is, long way around to saying, I I hope impeachment's great. I haven't watched it yet, but I, I just think without the sex, it's kind of like, it's a little weird to me. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, huh, I'm quite out of breath after that. Let's take a break. Uh, Blake, do you have a question? I do, but I also want to say you can watch uh, Monica in black and white on Wild Presents Plus now. That's absolutely right. Monica in black and white. Really, the first documentary putting the putting Monica's point of view across, but you know, where Monica is interviewed by people of her age, her students. Monica was very young when this all happened. And it's a documentary, Monica in Black and White, was on HBO. And uh, yes, you can see it now on Wild Presents Plus. And you know, also, and not to take anything away from that, but if you ever get a chance, watch Monica's TED Talk, which is absolutely, absolutely. stunning in a, in a piece that stands the test of time and is one for the ages. Absolutely. All, all right. right. The question is, it's a birthday question. Although he's passed away, today's his birthday. He famously told Larry King in 1985 that he quit celebrating birthdays after 30. He's a fashion designer and a director, kind of like birthday boy Tom Ford from a couple of weeks ago. And he's designed outfits for concert tours for Kylie and Madonna. Who is he? All right, Joe. Watching the Wire Report. You're listening to the Wire Report here on Radio Andy. We'll have the answer right after the break. <laughs> 
You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report. I am Fenton here with Tom and James St. James and Blake. And we had a, a question. Yep, it's a birthday question. Although he's passed away, today's his birthday. He told Larry King in 1985 that he quit celebrating them and when he turned 30, which would have been 1963, by the way. Um, he's a fashion designer and a director, like Tom Ford was a couple of weeks ago, birthday boy. Um, he designed outfits for Madonna and Kylie's concert tours. Who is he? Well, it's not like Bob Mackey. It's he's not. Oh, my God. It's nope. not Gautier. It's not. It's it's someone who's not, dead. Who's not dead? Versace. Was it, is it Versace? No. It's Carl Lagerfeld. Oh. oh, of course. What did Carl Lagerfeld direct? Uh, lots of shorts late in his life. He was like 77. I've never seen any of them. Yeah, he did. He did like a Coco Chanel thing, I think, once. All right. Moving on with the countdown. Number four, Tom. Number four. Number four is my rest in peace moment. And I was sad to learn that this week, Willard Scott, former weatherman of the Today Show, the man who one was who's famous for uh, celebrating the birthdays on air with Smucker's Jelly as the sponsor of people Americans who turn a hundred or more, passed away at the age of eighty-seven. He didn't make it to a hundred. And what kind of struck me as I was doing a little research about Willard because I have fond memories of him. He was, you know, he was kind of, you know, he started. He was the original Ronald McDonald the clown. Before that, he was Bozo the clown. It's one of these journeymen who have done every kind of piece and bit of television. He was on radio. You know, he, he was in the service. And he was, people claim uh, that he was exactly the same on camera as off camera. And in fact, he, he also said he had- famously did the Carmen Miranda. And that yeah. was like one of the, like seeing a man in a dress was huge for middle America. He did the weather in, as Carmen Miranda once. And, and supposedly he was deathly, he had anxiety. He had a lot of stage fright. He was on live television and he would do these characters and go over the top. That was his way of sort of uh, fighting his anxiety. There was a famous, and and his arrival around the time was when Today Show took over the ratings war from Good Morning America back when that was a big top thing. And, you know, there was all the serious news. And then there was the, the thing of Willard. And Willard also traveled the country. He was just someone you wanted to know. There's a famous story that in the George Bush, the first George Bush and Barbara Bush inauguration, Part of the parade, they were walking down, you know, in D.C. And Barbara Bush stopped, let go of George Bush's hand, ran over and gave Willard Scott a kiss on the cheek. She goes, I just love that. I just love his face. Um, He probably was a Republican in a time when people could be Republicans. There was some great quote he had. He goes, I'm a Republican. I wish we had more more Republican candidates like John F. Kennedy. (laughs) And, uh, and, you know, so it's like, again, a different time when people were in the middle. He um, retired, I think, in 96, but he kept making uh, appearances up until like 2005. He he was with a wife for his entire life. She passed away. And then he remarried a few years later and, and, and he widows that woman. The one scandal was Brian Gumbel was on when he was on and Jane Pauley. And Brian Gumbel wrote a memo, an internal memo that got leaked, and I think 1989, that just lambasted Willard Scott, how he brought the production down, how he was just, you know, awful and low base and crap. And Willard on air was very like, don't worry about it. They made up. He kissed his cheek on air. But they say that behind the scenes, it devastated him, that his you know, co-worker had made fun of him. And, and the... What I'm saying is in the New York Times obituary, the mo- it's a very snarky, we're better than Willard Sark kind of review. And in the in the comment section is everybody saying, screw you, <laughs> you know, lady. It's like he was the real deal. And he brought humanity and kindness and joy to television. And he brought, you know, even the karma Miranda moments and things. There's very few Bryant Gumble moments you can... Uh, <laughs> Why well, I, I was gonna say I also was maybe the beginning of the downfall of Bryant Gumble, where people oh, it was. We said we got a window into how, how nasty he was, and I'm not one to say because it's all just gossip. But you know the Matt Lauer and the the morning show scandal stuff. I wonder how Bryant Gumble would uh, hold up to that scrutiny today. I don't know. It's a question. That's not a statement. That's nothing you can sue me about. That's just a question. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
Woohoo! Rest in power, Willard Scott. All right, number three. Number three. Steve from Blue's Clues. I don't know if you guys saw this. He uh, he made a video this week, and it really got me. I teared up multiple times watching it. He came on and said, I know I left 20 years ago. I, I stopped doing the show, and I went to college. And I know that upset a lot of you kids, and I didn't give you a lot of time to process it. And I want to say that I've been thinking about you, and I worry about all of you. And I'm so proud of everything you've done. And people were crying on their on, on their pages on my timeline. And I sort of like what Mr. Rogers is to to people our age, Tom. How yeah. how the fact that he like this one girl on my on my timeline said, you know, I had a really rough childhood and blues clues was my safe place. And the fact that he cares about me, it makes me feel like my, I'm worthy and I'm okay. And I was like crying with her <laughs> as she was telling this story. It was just, it was very nice. And after is that he's ending, he said, and by the way, you look great. Whatever you're doing, Whatever you, look, you're, you keep doing it, you look fantastic. And that was the thing that just got everybody. It was a very, it was, I didn't realize that I, you know, it's a generation Y or millennials that were a blues yeah. clues, I guess. And I never really watched it, but now I love Steve more than anything. I'm right with you. I never really watched it. I knew of him, of course. He was a, it was a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. But boy, was he, again, he just pierces, he just cuts through that video and right into your heart. Yeah. And I also love, he said, you know, I, I, he goes, I came on Friday and told you I was leaving for college. No warning. And, but then he goes on to say, I'm really glad I went to college. I learned yeah. a lot. It's really helped me in my life. And I just, every, every word, every syllable is just. This it, it was Mr. Rogers again. Yes, his delivery. Because yeah. he had that delivery in the show that was very much like talking to the TV, right? And, and yeah. Sort of, but he paused just, and it was that same old delivery. It was like comfort food or something. Because and, I thought it was slightly bizarre. That he's just talking to a camera saying, you look great. He has no idea how anybody looks. No, I like I said, this girl who who had said she had a really rough childhood, she said it, it doesn't matter that he's not looking directly at her. The fact that he that like if he if they met that he would, you know, like he she just knows that he cares. Unconditional love. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And sadly, I think. The real story was I because I was talking about to the kids at World of Wonder today. I was in the office, and the people at the front desk are all sort of of that age. And I was talking to them about it, and they said that the real story was that he was losing his hair, and he felt that was wrong for the, the character. And so he he left. He went to the producers and said, "Should you replace me?" And they said yes. And so he said that he wanted to go to college anyway. But it was sort of a sad thing that he he was. And I don't know if he was gay or not, or but he just felt that it, that it wasn't. He wasn't serving the kids in the right way. I have well, a feeling this isn't the last we've heard from him. This could be a comeback moment. We have to think of something yeah. right away. A that. movie. Get him on Drag Race. Get him as a judge. Yeah. Well, actually, this is a good segue. Um, you can watch the video on the Wow Report. And at number two, number two, want to talk about Britney. Yes, I know the Britney news. Her dad's finally giving up on the conservatorship. Great. Britney is now going to be free. And so many months ago, I might have mentioned this. I went on this podcast called Toxic, the Britney Spears story. Oh, you're doing other podcasts, are you? <laughs> because I felt that the in the sort of the, the free Britney movement was a little bit ill-informed. It wasn't necessarily in her best interests, you know? And so I did this interview and everything I did and said got twisted around and turned into reinforcing the free Britney idea that she was being completely controlled by her management and exploited and, and all the rest of it. Wait, you mean you were vilified for doing another podcast? No, I would no, no, that's not what I mean. I mean that every, I went on to say, I went on the podcast to say that when we made the film. I am Brittany Jean. We felt that she had a great relationship with her dad, that she was really happy with her management, that yes, of course, we had to submit questions in advance for interviews. But yes, of course, we went off topic and asked other questions. Yes, of course, we couldn't film 24-7. Yes, of course, they said no to us at times and, and, and controlled access to a degree. And I was telling all these stories because it was like, you got to understand that when you make these kind of films, you have to work with a management team and a management team is there to protect the artist and that they have the artist's best interests at stake. And none of that, none of that, it was all chopped out and just presented as like, 
I was a sad fan who really wanted to get to know Britney and that didn't happen because I did make that point. And I said, the whole point was, yes, I'm a Britney fan. I wanted to make the film, but I knew that in making the film, I wasn't going to become her best friend because that wasn't why I was there. But they chopped all that out. It was like, I hoped I was going to have a connection with Britney, but that didn't happen. So long story you, know, you were on the other edit. end of a bad edit, is what you're saying. <laughs> exactly. Blame the edit. Yeah. Being the one in control of the bad edit. <laughs> <laughs> so this is my thank you very much, Tess Parker and Barbara Gray, who are the hosts <laughs> of, of uh, Toxic, the Britney podcast. And I got a very aggrieved note from um, one of Britney's team saying that I had, you know. Broken Yes. And I, I wrote her a letter of apology and I apologize to her now, you know, and I, I did some good things. I talked about the blackout period and I, I said, because I said, you know, when we made a documentary, we thought we would talk about the blackout period in the documentary. This was as Brittany was getting ready to do her Vegas. Of course, yeah. But actually, I, I sat down with one of her managers. I said, you know, don't you ever talk about it? And the manager said, no, we actually never do talk about it. He said, you know, it's not like Oprah. It's not like we all sit around talking about these things. It's like, he said it's like a family and something terrible happens in a family and you just move on. You don't sit around talking about it, which I thought was a really brilliant, enlightening, smart answer. And I, I, so I worry that the, I went and did the interview because I feel there's a plethora of misconceptions about what's going on with Brittany out there. And I, in my marvelously two left feet, clumsy, well-intentioned, disastrous outcome way there you go end of sentence that's not very grammatical but still I, at this point you're supposed to say oh Fenton, i'm sorry it really wasn't no, as Fenton, bad oh as my gosh bad. i can't believe you were misunderstood like this i'm just glad that their podcast has way more of a reach than that toxic podcast <laughs> exactly I just love the glee in James's eyes right now. <laughs> you can see this. He's like so glad. <laughs> All right. Well, no, take- I, I do understand. It is it is akin in in my narcissistic way. I, I'm thinking about like when we sit around and talk. If I'm having dinner with you, we aren't going to sit around and talk about you know the murder of Angel, right? I mean, you know, it's it's not something, you know, like you can talk about it and you can discuss it, but it's not something that every every day you need to relive the traumas in your life. Right. Exactly. It's like it's like a family, the family dynamic, you know, which I think Uh people can relate to. Anyway, let's move on. Um, When we come back. Oh, wait, before we go, I just want to put a little plug in. Brand new podcast about New York City nightlife in the 70s, 80s and 90s. Night Fever. Hosted by James St. James. And Randy Barbado and Fenton Bailey. A little bit. And Diane Brill is episode one. And episode two, which just launched, is Michael Musto. And it's it's a real rum, humdinger of an episode. He runs he circles is. around me and sort of makes chop suey out of me. He uh, he's, he's pretty fantastic. The next one is going to be Lisa Edelstein, and it airs uh, next Monday. And it's probably the best interview I've ever done in my life, just tooting my own. It's heart. really good. I mean, you say, James, that Michael is so funny that he gave you whiplash. But you really hold your own, and you're really genius mm-hmm. in this and in the Lisa E, the Lisa Edelstein episode. You know, and, and this you can chop this out, Blake. But we were doing um, uh, Walt paper today, and at it's funny because Diane, Lisa, Musto, and Peter Gation are the first four, and those that all sets the table for the '80s, and then uh, Walt paper leads us into the '90s, and it's he's he holds his own too. He's it's very interesting. It's fascinating. All right, we'll be right back after the break with the number one thing this week that made us go, wow. You're listening to World of Wonders Wow Report. Things that make us go wow. And welcome back to the Wow Report. I'm Fenton here with Tom and James St. James and Blake. And we have reached the number one spot. What was the number one thing that made us go wow this week? Number one. We don't have a lot of time, and this story just escaped us last week. The the news broke just as we had had wrapped our thing. ABBA has released two new songs, the first two new recordings in like 100,000 years, but literally since the 70s or 80s. Getting along? Didn't they not get along for decades? There's so much, but like 
here's and, and my question, which I'll pose to you at the end of my little tiny rant, is Abba Dabba Do, Abba Dabba Don't. They have two songs. They have a ballad called Don't Shut Me Down, and they have more upbeat. Oh, Don't Shut Me Down is the more upbeat one, kind of breaks into Abba d- d- Dance Number, and I still have faith in you, which is really slow. Now, here, the, the, the gay internet exploded. People were so grateful. They're alive. They sound that those exactly. sounds. Exactly. It sounds like pure ABBA from, from the classic yeah. years. The pronunciation, that weird ABBA pronunciation of English is delightful. All of the tropes are there. I don't. And thank you, God, for ABBA. Every day I wake up and say, thank you, God, for ABBA. I don't think this is, these aren't hits. I don't hear no. I don't hear a hit either. I don't hear a top ten, top forty hit. Right. They sound like ABBA. They're ABBA esque, but they're not ABBA hits, right? They feel like ABBA don'ts. They feel like ABBA B sides. They feel more BB than AA. The but, school um, of ABBA. The school of ABBA. I have a feeling that in you know in the Philippines and Sweden and in you know Zimbabwe, is they're going to be huge hits, I don't see them oh. being hits in America. Well, they also just announced their digital residency at London concert, digital avatars of them. So even if they don't sell huge, they'll still have, you know. They're legendary and their their work speaks for themselves. It's just, and call me a greedy bottom or whatever, lazy top is what I am. But I just wanted them to be great. I wanted them to to, to set, you know, to to make my hair stand up on, on my ears. And it just came short. Maybe, maybe... This will inspire them to make another one. I just want a great one. I also want a new lip sync. I want a new lip sync song. That's just well. There's an album coming out, so maybe they're just holding the the best ones for you know. Okay, okay. This might be the slow burn. Okay, Abba, I'm giving the benefit of the doubt. And I love the idea of them doing a digital tour, like sort of like like craft work. It's like sort of they're there, but not really there, and you know. They're gonna we look are good five now. years away from everything being virtual. Yeah. Well, it's a damn shame that, that um, the hologram theater <laughs> didn't work <laughs> in our building because we could have had ABBA. <laughs> <laughs> Don't give up. Well, <laughs> that's all we have time for on the WOW Report this week. Tom, thank you so much. James and James, thank you. Darling. And Blake, thank you too. Love, you, love you all. And um, you, Mr. Whiskers, who's your cat again? This outdoor kitty cat. He just comes. Oh, that's me. outdoor kitty cat. Hi, yeah. outdoor kitty cat. Hi. Same time, same place next week. Until then, go out and do something that makes the world go wow. wow.